Well, welcome back to the show. As we have uh, an opportunity, we're going to be bringing back the lists. The talking points. The talking points. If you remember, these were from way, 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 way back in the day. So um, my list, of course, is discuss Bible topics, uh, be prepared without notes. Um, so I, I broke that one already today. Um, reference how right I am. I will probably do that numerous times throughout the show. Uh, there is no red vest. I have no red vest to comment on. Um, but I will say Star Wars is the best sci-fi um, movies uh, that are out there. Um, I will give you some deeper meaning to Bible topics, hopefully, and uh, give you a lot of off-topic discussion, and uh, and then call listeners to see, uh, well, actually, we probably should call Katie to see if she's on the show. See if she's actually watching. See if she's Listen. watching. My talking points are to discuss, oh, by the way, I'm Pastor Dave Rudot from Emmanuel and Shirley. I am discussing the Bible topic. I am applying the Bible topic today. Dad jokes. So, did you hear about the food poisoning on the ships on our in our U.S. Navy? No. It's because their cafeteria is a mess. <laughs> I even have a drum, a snare for that. Right. Look at that. Now, I have another one which you, you'll also like. Is uh, last night I slept like a baby. Every two hours I woke up kicking and screaming. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So those there you are go. two dad jokes for the day. Defend the red vest. It's like 79 is the high today, so I'm not wearing a red vest. But it is, we're getting close to October, so I'm looking forward to that as much as most people look forward to pumpkin spice on in their everything. Um, I, I do believe Star Trek is better sci-fi than Star Wars, even though Ahsoka series is really, really good. I have enjoyed that series. By the, That has been a uh, um, probably one of the better that they have put together. Yeah. You still have not seen season three of Mandalorian? I did actually watch oh, season cool. three of Mandalorian. I did. So now um, we can talk about the baptismal references of the Mandalorian. Yeah, I I I liked I I liked season three of the Mandalorian, but you want to know something? I think Ahsoka has um really blown yeah. all of their their pre attempts out of the water. It's really done some good stuff. Uh, I'm ask I'm supposed to ask listeners for feedback, so listeners please give feedback oh like the four stars and the five stars and yeah and but not five stars because too big of a head too big of a head yeah even though today it's like it has this angelic light going on here that's because i have beautiful lighting yeah <laughs> my <laughs> ego needs a little bolstering yes the whiteness of dave needs to be accentuated all of those all of the above um then take my takeaway from the bible topic that's also a, a talking point and then closing thoughts and one more dad joke so i already gave my dad jokes already so i also will fail in the talking points right out of the gate because i only have two for today go. uh well so um as we move our show on you know in the we finally got up and running we we went through the pre-show we are here uh our disclaimer is uh we are going to try to do our very very best to start a conversation that doesn't mean that everything that we say is truly what we uh, believe sometimes it's just we're having this conversation and saying things that come to mind so if we say something that angers you please it's not our intent um, contact us let us know um, be a part of the conversation so that we can uh, you know have this with you also um, we are going to try to uphold the doctrine of the Lutheran Church um, Wisconsin Synod uh, and and that of the Lutheran Church itself um, sometimes in the conversation we will not get there right away and so you might think huh, I wonder, and then if you just wait a little bit, we'll, we'll get there. Um, it just takes time, especially with, with my rambling. 
So other than that, join the conversation. You can reach us at our email, um, so castingnetspod at gmail.com, or you can get us on Facebook. You can find us at our local congregation. So for me, St. John's in Maribel here every Sunday. Uh, if you want to go to Emmanuel and Shirley, you can talk to Pastor Dave. Now, he is my circuit pastor, so if you have any complaints, it's his fault. Because he is actually not only my circuit pastor, but the one who said, I know a guy who would be perfect for this area. I did not say and that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Just because I ran the call meeting doesn't mean that somehow I've influenced people or influenced the Holy Spirit. Uh, to leave we only have one person, one person that yeah. would be able to do this. <laughs> and you picked the wrong one. <laughs> no, so we welcome you to the show. And uh, before we get uh, off on too many side topics, let's dive on in and, and have an opportunity to start the actual show. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, we continue uh, a kind of a series that we have been sort of starting. Um, we've been trying to intersperse regular topics throughout, um, but we've been trying to, to kind of get ourselves motivated in, into continuing our education, continuing our learning. And so we've been doing some book studies and sort of a, a branch off of what we had talked about last week uh, when we had an opportunity to sort of help uh, Pastor Dave Endorf with his um, synopsis of the Old Testament. Uh, we we kind of chose a book that um, was published by Concordia Publishing House. And, and the uh, author is Pastor Adam T. Philippe, and uh, it the book is called uh, "Life in Christ: Rooted, Woven, and Grafted into God's Story." So it just uh, 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 the book that we decided to to study kind of piggybacks off of the uh, work that Pastor Endorf was was putting together, and so I thought, hey, what a great opportunity for us to, you know look at someone else's work who expanded on what Pastor Endorf was doing. I know Pastor Endorf wanted a very approachable, condensed, um, and he, um, Pastor Philippic, kind of went a little bit more than that. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, I came up with uh, an outline. Yeah, and the book is, did we name the book already? I did name the book already. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Life in Christ. I was, just woven. For, I was just waiting for my turn to talk, so I went. <laughs> well, you've just ruined it. I mean, I gave you an opportunity, and now it's, <laughs> it's like, I wasted I the, the good one for you. <laughs> and then, Dave, yeah. you, re- you just. <laughs> I wasted oh, oh the good God. surprise on you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. Uh, the book, I really appreciated reading this just right out of the gate. I liked reading this on Kindle. Uh, just because the Bible passages, when there was a Bible passage, I could just click the link and then here that went to that Bible passage. So there were um, a couple of times where I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that story. Then I clicked on the link, or uh, there was one where he said uh, they were going to be wandering in the for- in the wilderness for 40 years, one year for every day that they explored Canaan. And I thought that sounds a lot like allegory. But then I clicked the link and oh, there it is. Actually, a quote yeah. that says you're going to wander for 40 years, one day for one year for every day that you were that those spies went through Canaan. Like, oh, OK. All right. Then, then um, so that 
that I did appreciate about the book is the links to the Bible passages. And so I could really see just coming out of the gate, if someone is looking for a book that gives them a big picture of the Old Testament, New Testament, if you're going to use this as a kind of a, I, I'm trying to figure out how, how you might use this in a confirmation class. Could you ask the kids to read this like a summer project or um, if someone doesn't know the Bible stories? But on the other hand, as I'm thinking it out, out loud, which is it's not usually my thing to do, but uh, as I'm also, it's also good for those who have heard the Bible stories a lot and then to say, what do these Bible stories have to do with Christ? Like, I hear this story, what does that have to do with Christ? And so just to kind of get help the Christian who has some familiarity with the Bible stories to piece them all together and say, these are all really about your life in Christ. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the author, the, the purpose for writing it is to really try to bridge that connect, right? Um, so, you know, he, and, and I think every pastor has recognized this. There's, as society has progressed, um, biblical literacy has gone down drastically. Um, and, and we live now in a society probably more so than ever before uh, where Jesus loves me, this I know, and that's all I want to know. Um, and, and so the idea of biblical literacy, the idea of being able to rely on some of the biblical accounts and to be able to, to reference back and say, you know, this is, this is the continuation of God's story. This is a continuation of God's promise and, and take hope and comfort for how he's kept his promise in the past and how he will keep it into the future. It falls on deaf ears Mm -hmm. because they look at that and they say, well, you know, um, Jesus is all I need to know. And why am I learning anything else? Um, and, and so they have removed themselves from the beauty of the Old Testament and the beauty of the uh, biblical text. So I think the, the purpose of this was to kind of fill in, in an approachable way, an introduction to that. And there's dangers, I think, in that. Um, first of all, I think some of the dangers are we, we rely as a, a crutch on the synopsis you know, we, we kind of say, give me the cliff notes instead of reading the actual work. Um, and then we start, we start relying heavily on those cliff notes. Um, and, and I could see a danger in this book and, and I liked the book like you did, Mm -hmm. but I'll be the first to say the danger in this book is to say, this is the end all the be all of what it is that, that God was, was giving to us and, and keeping for us in the Old Testament um, and in the New Testament. Uh, I think it's a good synopsis. It opens up the doors. But as we're going to find, um, as the continu- as we continue our conversation today, um, there are areas where, where I think he fell a little bit short and he, he could have really gone a step above. He could have gone a little bit more and said, let's be specific in this area. What's going on? Why is this happening? What is this for? Um, to really drive home the point of, uh, in one case, and, and we will talk about it more, I'm sure, but in one case to say you know, the, the, the Christ of the New Testament, the God-man who is, is um, the son of God, Emmanuel, for us in flesh, is the same in the Old Testament as he appears and walks with his people, as he speaks with them and gives his words to the prophets. Um, that's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, we often get the... Uh, connotation when we say pre-incarnate Christ, the connotation of this is like a prehistoric Christ. Like this is the Jesus before he's actually Jesus. Like this is, he's just getting warmed up and, and then Jesus light, Jesus like, or <laughs> Jesus light, um, uh, pre Jesus. And I don't, that's not what we mean by the pre-incarnate Christ, but that's what it comes across. 
and and so people think that well the it's the second person of the trinity in the in, well no that's the same guy that walked with matthew mark luke and john that's the same guy that was uh, uh talking with mary and martha and all of those things the same the same jesus is in the old testament as in the new testament so i appreciated that one of the things i i was uh, as we we're talking about the purpose of the book you know if you're trying to fight illiteracy one of the things that i found ironic that there weren't any pictures so if you're trying to if you're going to write a book that's going to try to bring people who are illiterate you should probably have some pictures i think there were some graphs and some of that but there really could have been in, in my opinion so i'm I'm thinking of... It's assuming that someone knows how to read. Y- yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, like, for example, like, it, it, he would give... Um, and this is, of course, is you you only have so many pages, so this I, I understand that, but it's the... When you list off all of the aspects of what was in the tabernacle, but no pictures, shouldn't you have some pictures? If, if this sure. is like a, a book yeah. that is going to try to um, give a big picture view at least have a couple of pictures here and there for people who have difficulty reading because if they didn't have a difficult if i mean if they're if they're able to read the text why don't they read the text why do they have to read a book so if they're if they're struggling to go from well i don't want to read the whole bible well how about a book with some some more pictures well and and yeah i i think the big takeaway is dave likes pictures (laughs) no i i think you have it right though um you know, there's a reason why the military has pictures because pictures, you know, can express a thousand words and, and explain things in a very clear way. Um, maybe he just didn't have the the um, resources. resources to do those or he didn't want to have to pay the royalty fees for them. Um, and I can't explain that. I, I, I think his purpose, though, was to try to make um, Old Testament history, biblical history approachable. Um, especially in the sure. first six chapters, I think yeah. the first six, the the first six chapters, he just tried to to really say, you know, it's a daunting task. I, I mean, it really is a daunting task to to look at, um, you know, the 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 thirty nine books of the Old Testament and say, I'm going to read those. <laughs> um, you you start out with the best of intentions, and then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, ugh. <laughs> And then it's numbers and Deuteronomy and then you get to list of names and you're like, okay, I think I'm, I'm done. I don't know where I'm going. Um, maybe you'll pick up again in judges. Maybe you'll, you'll pick up in, in uh first and second Samuel. But then when you get to Kings, you're like, I, I don't even know who we're talking about and where we're going. And it becomes a very daunting task. So I think he did well in, in trying to just weed through all of that and say, okay, it's not as daunting as you think. There is a point, there is a flow, there is a purpose. Here's the art overarching purpose so that we can, we can kind of keep that clear in our head. I think he did a good job in that. Yeah, I, I, really I do. Did. I do. I do appreciate being able to see the forest continually throughout as he's going through the old Testament. He's always saying, yeah, we're here. Here are some specific trees, but He's always leading them to Christ. And we've already mentioned before, uh, he could have mentioned that Christ was actually there in the Old Testament, even if right. even if it is pointing ahead to his uh, incarnation in, in, in the New Testament. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I was wondering, and I'm not sure if this is necessarily a critique, um, but is the as he, as he goes through the Old Testament, he doesn't really address some of the major objections that people might have on the Old Testament. He does a very good job, like you were saying, 
pointing them to Christ. And this is all about God's work and in his people pointing them to their plan of salvation. Even if he sets all this stuff up in the Old Testament, they're not going to keep it because the, the Christ is going to keep it for them. Or the the, the Passover lamb is, is really a picture of the, the lamb of God who's going to come and take away the sin of the world. Uh, one of the things that I, I was kind of looking for, and maybe maybe it's not in the book, but if you're, if for example, objections of the violence of the Old Testament, the going to war in the Old Testament, the, uh, the homosexuality passages in the Old Testament, where people would... Um, might gravitate towards those to use that as the Old Testament is one way and the New Testament is another way. Because th- that's kind of, that's what I, I really felt the book was trying to do is sure. trying to bring them be- together. Like this is one book, not two different sides of, of a God, but one God in throughout history who operates the same. But there are the, the violence of the Old Testament. Yes, there is the, the, the civil laws in the Old Testament. But that's not, those are all pointing also to Christ, not just to ceremonial laws. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. And and and, and I don't know if that's like a, a pre-existing trigger um, because we live in a society that, that gravitates toward those, to those things. As soon as you bring up the Old Testament, they're instantly like, well, how do you explain the wars? And, and, but I think he circumvented that. And, and, and here's how I think he did it. And I, and I actually do appreciate it. He focused on the ideal. And, and he really focused on the idea by saying God gave worship. God promised, God established, God continued to be. And he said, and, and he does in, in a very roundabout way. He's like, yeah, and sin's still there. <laughs> and they failed and they didn't do and they weren't able to, but the worship was there. Right. Um, God's established service. And, and he uses that term divine service. You know, the divine service of what God is going to do for his people is there. The promise of the Messiah is there. Um, the, the, the Passover lamb is there. The reclaiming of which which is one of those comments um, going backwards a little bit when when we were talking with um, Pastor Endorf, you know, one of the things in his his uh, little brief statements that I wish there was more of because that's what held the church together. And, and I think that's, he does a beautiful job of, of painting that picture through from Genesis to revelation saying what held the church together was the proclamation was this gift of, of God's grace in the divine service in his working, pointing to Christ saying, this is what I'm doing for you. And where is that? That is in the service, right? Um, yeah, there are wars, yeah, things things happened. Yes, there are sins um, that had to be con- uh, confronted and 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 the like. Um, but what was consistent? God's grace in the service, right? Um, and then God God came in person on the scene and served. Um, you know, there's just a beauty in that. And then that leads to the further chapters, right? Because um, I and I think this is where his focus was. And as I follow it through, because when he gets to chapter seven, he's like, how do we find ourselves in this story? Yeah. And, and he comes back to the service, the service. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that would be my other, <clears throat> my other point of the, perhaps I missed it. So if somebody has read the book or if you, you can correct me if I'm wrong too, but in the old, te- when he is going through the old Testament, there is an absence of the ceremonial washing which is a, a picture of the baptism. So when he brings up baptism in the New Testament, it seemed, at least to my ears or, or to, to my eyes, like that was coming out of left field, but it's not. It's all part of God 
serving his people. So we've got like um, um, you have mentioned Moses washing uh, um, um, Aaron, Aaron and, and, and his brothers. Oh. Or before they entered into the the temple, they washed. Uh, before anybody served in the temple, they washed. So the the washing was always their entrance into the service of God, whether God serves them or whether they are serving God by participating in the in the this the offerings that are being done there sure this is all that's all and then also the same thing too is that communal aspect of the lord's supper he did a very good job of and i really appreciated this point of talking about going to church how often we individualize it and say what church is what is what I, what do i get out of it the praise that i get out of how do how am i fed and he reverses that and says no you are this is the church gathering and receiving gifts from God through word and sacrament, and you get to be a part of that. And yeah. so it's you, it's it's not it's not a bunch of individuals, but a group coming, and you get to be a part of this group. And I would have liked to see more of that in the Old Testament, where God had these communal meal meals, like with uh, Moses and the elders, uh, this this or the the priests and the people, like they're eating together, they're eating a meal together uh, as they give the off some of the fellowship offering. So there's this. The, the concept is there of, of a group, of a community being fed by God and God being with them as in, in this meal. Like this is a communal thing that I will, would have wished there would have been more threads. And, and I agree with you. I 100% agree that, that I think you have the means of grace that are so easily seen in the divine service establishment in the Old Testament weaving its way through God's people. One of the things that I did appreciate though, and, and you don't hear this much, and, and so I was really, I was actually awestruck because it made my mind go in all sorts of different rabbit holes. When he said, you know, you come to, to church and, and he said, we, like you had said, he, you know, we so internalize this as this is my sacrifice. And he says, no, this is God's service. Your sacrifice is when you leave. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yes, yes. That that one hundred and ten percent. Your sacrifice is not what 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 you came to church with, and what you you maybe put in the offering plate, or what you said for your prayers, or you sung for your hymns. Those are all God's service to you through the community, through the means of grace. Your service begins when your sacrifice of what you are going to give up begins when you leave, mm-hmm. because you're not going to be like the rest of the world. And I'm like, that is amazing. That to me, that was a beautiful connection to to the life of, of the old Testament people, new Testament people and in the current church now, you know, mm-hmm. as we're, we're living in this, God is still here. God is still working. The spirit is still doing uh, what only the spirit can do, um, establishing us in Christ. And, and Christ is still with his people in word and, and, in, and in body and blood. Um, so I, I really, really, um, really enjoyed that. So I guess pulling back just a little bit um, because I, I think we kind of were, we've commented on the process a little bit of what he's been doing. We contacted on, on some of the things that we liked, we, we didn't like. Um, I guess if you had an opportunity to, to kind of say, okay, I'm going to approach this book. I'm going to, I'm going to maybe offer it to my, my members or things like that. What would you say? I, he could have done less of, what would you say if I wish he would have maybe expanded more? Now you did say, I've already mentioned most of them, most of my big ones. Okay. Uh, I think I know we have, a library and we have to put in every book we have to put in a disclaimer like please be a discerning reader like not all the books in our church library have all of the doctrines right so please be a discerning and and here we're going to see um 
an emphasis on the holy ministry being something outside of the church. And I'm not sure it, it just the way that he worded it, it 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 set some red alerts in my mind, but not necessarily that God's people who read it in my congregation are going to pick up on that because they're going to say they they've been taught that the the ministry comes from the church has the gospel ministry and then it also through is led by God to call pastors and, and teachers and Sunday school teachers. And, and, and so it's not like it's a separate entity that serves the church. And he actually uses that kind of language that the, the Holy ministry is something the keys are given to the apostles, even though the Bible passage he uses has people there that aren't apostles that Jesus breathes on and says, receive whoever, whoever you forgive sins, their sins are forgiven. So, um, he is going to try to make it like a separate entity rather than the the church itself having the ability to forgive sins. But, but my, I, I, my I think point, I mean, there's there's several books that I've got in my in our church yeah. library that have huge like these are huge. Um, but that's I mean we have a I have a I have about three books all entitled. Uh, um, church and ministry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and and it depends you know this is granted like i said you know this entire book if you if you want to get it it's it is produced by concordia publishing house and and concordia concordia publishing house is a lutheran conservative orthodox yeah. i don't like the word conservative it's an orthodox publishing house but they are going to um lean more towards um the the lcms the lutheran church missouri synod's idea of church and ministry so when you lean towards church and ministry you are leaning towards this idea of uh at least in the missouri synod that that the 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 call to ministry the call to the word and the expression of the of the gospel ministry rests on the pastor and then from the pastor flows all these other conduits where maybe a teacher or a sunday school teacher or whatever uh whereas in the wells we would say the 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 call to gospel ministry is housed in the church on um, the body of believers and then from that they call specific people to do specific things on their behalf. And so there's a there's a fundamental difference. And so that's what you picked up on. Yeah. That's all it is. It, yeah. And <clears throat> and it's and I think your average reader may not pick up on it because there's so much it's it is like drinking from a fire hose. Sure. Um and I think well, your average reader would be like, yeah, the pastor is the one called and I got to ask him before I do anything. And it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um the other yeah, I I also was a little cautionary. I had a little the other thing that caused the red alert, maybe this is more of a yellow alert, um, is the the sign of the cross. And I love the sign of the cross. I teach sign of the cross, children's devotions. It, I've never know, seen you use the sign of the cross. I, you've never upon seen Upon you yourself. Use it, upon myself. Well, this is what he's talking about, the sign of the cross upon yourself. But it, he he phrases it in such a way that this is what ha- this is what makes a, a true Christian church and get together. And it's like, the practices of the of the and the traditions of our church are good things, but to equate them with everything else that's going on, like the Lord's Supper or baptism, sure. I would go, hold on a second. But on the other hand, I appreciate that he actually explains how sure. how you cross yourself. So what? Why are you doing what you are doing, and and reminding yourself of what's happening, what happened at your baptism, and that is still true today, even especially because he is talking about the section of he's preaching the gospel for the whole chapter to you, to the reader, which I really appreciated that, you know, it was just, he just laid it on. It was, it was awesome because you're like, okay, I got you. It's like the, um, um, it's like uh, goodwill hunting where 
you you're it's not your fault it's not your fault it's not your fault not your fault where it just it just he just keeps hammering this is what god does for you this is what god does for you this is what god yeah. does for you this is what god does yeah. for you and it's just like oh you know and if you do like you get you, yeah. you i get you after the first paragraph you're like oh this is awesome what god has done for me but then he just keeps going and so well and it's and he is, overwhelms I, you like yeah. you said he overwhelms you with with what does it mean to live in the church today which I think is his point. His point is is that <clears throat> if you thought the Old Testament was overwhelming, you think the New Testament is overwhelming, it's still overwhelming. Um, you know, all God's grace poured out for you. I, I you know, I, I, I follow what you're saying with, uh, I, I, I do use the sign of the cross when I receive communion upon myself. Um, I don't require anybody in the church to do that. It's not like it's a law or anything, but I, I do do that to remember my, my baptism. Um, I noticed in his book though, that, that maybe what you're picking up on and, and I did as well, he's very high, high church, high liturgy. Um, and so, I mean, he just, the I, uh, reading the section on, on, uh, the funeral service, and you know, funeral Paul, and, yeah. the, and the funeral Paul and then lifting of the dirt and putting the dirt. I'm like, don't do that. I, I don't do that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I don't do that, but I understood, you know, he's going back and he's saying, okay, the, and this is something that's in high church, which is, I do respect. The thing about high churches is, is symbolism has meaning and it's a teaching moment in symbolism. And, and I think, um, there is something that the Wells has lost yes. in the pietistic movement that we had. Um, we still have. And we still have today where it's like we've tried to strip the service of everything except the essentials. Um, we, we stripped the altar from its it, 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 the grandeur and beauty of the symbolism. We stripped the service from the grandeur and the beauty of the symbolism. And we said, okay, what are the cores of what do we need? And that's fine. I have, I have nothing against that. But... But there is something <clears throat> about the symbolism, you know. There, there's, there is something that that even the Lord embraces in the symbolism, you know, as He gathers and He celebrates the Passover. Um, yeah, we we focus on the breaking of the bread and we focus on the third cup that was given because this is where He attaches His promise. But there was a whole meal that He participated in, and and it was good. And and um, so. Is that a bad thing? No, but but I think if we tried to do it today, I, I I don't know if we would without a lot of instruction, if we would understand that. Um, but <clears throat> but it, I mean, just in symbolism case, I mean, you have a lot of churches even in the wells who are abandoning uh, abandoning the the stole and they're abandoning the the alb um, because they're like, well, that's something of the past, is it? it, it or or have you failed to do? The most basic thing to say, you know, the pastor is a symbol of what we all are before God as he has clothed us in Christ and we are now white as snow. And, mm. and, and so he's symbolizing all of us before God. And that, and that that stole is the sign of an office connecting us to the Old Testament church um, and connecting us to the New Testament church as, as they understood that this is a, a calling and a vocation. Um, so I, I did appreciate yeah. those connections. Um. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, it was, we, we both picked up on the same thing. It's, it's, it's good that we understand why we do the things that we do. But the minute we start saying this is as good as right. The, the gospel in the word and sacrament, then you're like, uh, hold on, hold on a second. Or you're not really appreciating worship unless you do 
A, B, or C, the, the high church things. And, and so it's always a, a constant re-education, constant asking of ourselves, why are we doing the, the things that we are doing? And can we continue to teach the benefit of these things? So, so we had a question, and it's a very good, good question, Rachel. Um, when did the well stop teaching that? And I'm assuming the symbolism um, as you part, uh, so the parts of the, the liturgy in general. Um, so in, in the wells, that has pretty much been a part of the well's history since the beginning the very very beginning <clears throat> a lot of the wells has had its 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 uh history in the pietistic movement where uh faith is very internal it's an internal thing as opposed to the flashy external um the missouri synod had its ups and downs <laughs> they had a moment where um they were very very high church almost to the point of of being catholic um, and, and the symbolism was everything. And then they kind of dipped, um, in the eighties, they had, um, um, their blue hymnal. <laughs> I don't, it, it, it was, <clears throat> um, I, that's what I grew up on when I was in the, in the LCMS. Book of worship. That, yeah, was that the blue one? I can't, I have it on my shelf. I oh. could go back and look at it. Um, and anyway. that one, that one kind of dipped. So, so that was more less high church. I mean, far more high church than than the Wells at the time, but it was it was less high church, less pomp, less circumstance, and then they came like a, a resurgence with their new one, their service book, mm-hmm. um, really has come back into into the high church. Now that being said, um, yeah, Lutheran worship, I have it right here. So um, that being said, there's there's two different schools of thought on it, and and the first is. Um, and, and I have to agree with, with some of the people in the wells who will agree with this. If you are unwilling to teach and unwilling to say and be patient and say, this is why we do this, don't do it. Just don't do it. But it's the same idea of saying, if you don't have an Advent service, don't start one. <laughs> it, it comes across like, it, like he comes across in the book, like, oh, right. we, don't, we don't have an Advent service. And then as they're talking with their 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 brothers and sisters in Christ from other congregations they're like oh we have this and we don't have that and and there isn't a conversation of why you're doing those things it's more of we have it and we you don't you and in the book you uh, I in my church we cross ourselves when we every time we do the the creed and every time right. we do the the absolution and and it's I'm sorry I interrupted no it's it's perfectly fine like I said I I have I'm I came from the Missouri Synod um before I came over to the wells. And so I do appreciate some of the high liturgy. Um, <clears throat> but that idea of high liturgy, if you're not willing to teach it, yeah. it, it, it just becomes, it, it becomes the, the, the habitus, right? And in the, the danger of a habitus is saying that we do this all the time and we don't know why we do it, but we just do it and it makes us holy for some, some unknown reason. Now I never, I never got that impression that that this is the way the author went. Yeah, I never never once had that impression. This is, I mean, he beautifully explains. This is the, this is the beauty in the symbolism, yes. and there is a beauty in the symbolism, and and there's a reason why. If you know that, it's something that you love. Um, there there is something to that. Um, on the flip side, if you're reading it and you're approaching it from the Wells perspective, and you're like, we don't do that. That doesn't mean you go to your pastor and you say, we should do this. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the opposite side of, of that one as well. Um, so 
I guess moving moving kind of the the, the conversation along the um, the joys that I, I really think he hit home on um, pretty much chapter seven and on is is that yeah. life that we are attached to. Um, he did a great job, just a, a fabulous job of saying, you know, the life of the Christian is is still waiting for, not waiting for the Messiah to come, but waiting for him to come again, mm-hmm. right? What a what a what a great way to to do that. And he did a beautiful. I I don't know how many times I outlined whole paragraphs. I'm like sermon material, yes. sermon material. You yeah. know, um, you just wrote that one for me. I just got to find the right space to <laughs> to to put that in. So, yeah. um, yeah, so circling back for me, it was a very good devotional book to read. So thank yeah. you for that. So even as we're, we're looking at it in connection with, uh, um, Dave's project that he's working on the, the Holy history, this was really a good compliment to that. And also a good devotional aspect, especially like I've said before, the, when he starts talking about what, what does this mean for you? And, and it is interesting in the very same book that he says, you know, church life isn't about you. It's about you being a part of the church. Yeah. Um, he does. It's very specific. Like this is, these are some really good uh, gospel gems in here. Um, uh, what I like, what maybe I shouldn't ask the questions, but your question of what would you use this book for? And maybe we've asked that question already. Yeah. We've, we've kind of danced around, that danced book. around it, but we haven't answered it specifically. It, maybe that was one of those times when I was just waiting for you to stop talking. <laughs> That never so happens. Nobody, that never happens on this podcast. It never, nobody else just sits I around and waits. Before I them. don't like silence. <laughs> so, so when Dave is talking, that's silence. And so you're just having a conversation in your head. Um, anyway, I would really see this as a good use for maybe. I, yeah, I did talk about this already. Of perhaps like a confirmation use or a Bible information course use or. Um, like I are uh, homeschooling use, like if, if you want to help kids to get the big picture of the Old Testament as they dive into the Old Testament some more, or if a kid is just interested on the the, the Bible as a whole, what book would you ask them to read? Sure, I you know I would um, because of its approachability, um, and it was uh, when I say approachability, I don't mean that it doesn't tackle large topics because it really does um i would say it's approachability because it's readable i mean it it, two nights just sitting 180 some pages yeah it was like i I didn't even i i i mean i could have finished it in a night but i'm like i'm I'm outlining things it took me two nights because i tasked him with more work i just said (laughs) You well, have to he do came up with an outline. Yeah. And well, uh, you don't have to do an outline, <laughs> but you should do it. <laughs> but it's so much better when you do it. Outline. So, so me. just two nights, I, w- I was able to get through it. And, and I guess if I was, if I was going to use this in my ministry, um, and I probably will at some point, it would be one of those things to say, you know, we're going to start a conversation on, on a study of the old Testament. We're going to, we're, we're a, a, like a cursory study. Um, kind of like what we're doing with the minor prophets where we're going to say, we're going to take some key verses out of each book and we're going to say, these are some of the highlights. Let's talk about it. I would say, read this book first, you know, mm. because this is going to give you, this is going to give you the forest and, and, and so often, and you've, you've brought it up. We get so mired into the trees. 
you know, like I'm going to look at this one tree and say that this one tree is going to going to explain everything that's around me. And it, it doesn't. Um, I mean, the tree is interesting and all, but we miss so much when we when we fail to to take a step back. And so I would I would definitely use it in that sense and say, OK, we're going to have a Bible study on on looking through the books of the Old Testament. We're going to be taking out specific little areas, but you need to read this because this is going to keep you focused and say this is this is the course we're following mm-hmm. and why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. because well we had a whole bible study or a whole podcast on Leviticus itself yeah. i mean <laughs> you can you can get really bogged down in that um you could you're going to hit the book of kings and you're going to have this king is evil this and and hey you know what just recognize what's going on here's the story here's here's the account um good use yeah i was just uh, going through the book a Jeroboam in my personal devotion. It was a hilarious story of Jeroboam. Like he is the one who sets up the altars in the New Testament in the in the Northern Kingdom. He is the one that sets the Northern. He is the one whom God holds responsible for leading the Northern Ten Tribes astray. But then his son gets sick. So what does he do? He sends his wife in disguise to the prophet of God because he needs help. It's like, <laughs> and, yeah. and God help, and God like calls him out, and he is and and, and is consistent. And then, as I was thinking about this this book, at the same time as I'm going through that devotion, you could see there's there's the same God of the Old Testament as the God who is gracious and compassionate to us when we stray, when we are uh, think think that we we got all everything figured out when we're going our own way and, and going going off and and he is still wanting to bring us back yeah and um, he's still bigger than us yeah you know um his whole idea of, of in the book you know solomon builds a temple and then's like yeah but this is way too small <laughs> right it, it, yeah i mean it is i mean it, yes this is a place where god promised to be as he interacts with us but he's he's not just here um and, and knowing that, that we have a God who reaches out through time and space, through word, not only to, to establish his promise, but to, to fulfill his promise um, on the Lord who continues to have that promise, right? Every, every promise that God has made is yes in Christ, and we're still waiting for a couple of them to be yes, and we're still waiting for a couple of them to be um, the, the, the marker down that says this is... This is where where we're going to end the story. And so um, read the book, grab the book, put it on your bookshelf, make it a make it a part of of your library, because um, every now and then you just need to be comforted that, you know, our life is in Christ and we are rooted there and we've been grafted into it and we have been woven into that story. And um, it is it is worthwhile to just sort of take a look at the forest and say, thank God for for everything that you've done. And so with that, I say God's blessings to you. Um, thank you to the author. Uh, so Pastor uh, Philippic, thank you for writing this book, taking the time to, uh, to put pen and paper together and, uh, and giving us God's word and his promises in such a, a wonderful way. And uh, we will be going to the post show. And if you aren't going to stay around for the post show, join us next week for Beyond the Sermon Tuesday and another study on whatever it is that Pastor Rudat decides to pick for Thursday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is it my turn? You are up. So that is the end of our show today, and we'll see you in the post show.